This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up, To The Point listeners? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. I got a couple of my buddies on today, and I'm excited about it. So I hear a lot from people reaching out or uh, if I'm at an event speaking and they listen to the podcast or they do anything and they're saying, hey, we need to hear more about financial stuff, right? Not just the owners coming on board and talking about how they build a business, but like financials, especially going into this year, right? Where like we need to be super aware. Well, really every year, but just this year, I think it's shining a light on like with all the inflation and just all the things that have impacted expense overall to run a business and um, getting competitive with wages and all like you got to have your finances on point. And it's certainly easy to miss it if you don't have somebody to take lead on that actually knows their shit. That's the key ingredient is that piece. And so our, our guest is that guy today. And, and we got to meet um, at Rhino X last year for the first time. Um, and that is Mike Barnhart. He is the CFO of now Eco Plumbers, Electricians, and HVAC Technicians, not just the Eco Plumber. So congrats on your guys' uh, re- refresh on the brand there um, and expansion of the business. But Mike, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, Chris. I've been listening for a long time. I know. Now you're on. Now you can listen to yourself next time. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be weird as shit, just so you know, but it's going to be good. I'm so I'm excited to share your story. I'm excited. Um, yeah. And you guys are down in Columbus, OH. I am. God, I hate that shit. I don't even, I hate even doing that. Cause I'm like, it's so stupid. Um, because I'm from Indiana, but I did that for you guys. So you're welcome. You know, enjoy that. It's painful. <laughs> It was painful, but I also have a guest co-host today too, who's my buddy, Aaron Gaynor, who's the owner. So, Hey, you two are together. The reason I wanted Aaron to be on here too, was to, to help just kind of share some different stories along the way. But Mike, this is, this is your time to shine, bro. The listeners have been asking for these types of episodes, digging into financials and things of that nature. And so, because you guys have seen some really great success over the years and kind of been through it and had to learn how to adjust and you know, you probably learned a lot of things along the way. Like we need to hear all the shit, like all the random good, you know, stuff, the peaks, the valleys, like let's, let's walk everybody through Cause I guarantee you our listeners are going to hear it and be able to relate at some point in time in your journey. So are you boys ready? Yep. We're ready, man. Cool. So let's do this right out of the gate. Um, go ahead, Mike, and just let our listeners know. One kind of how you got into the trades and try to give me some timelines, if you don't mind, just for some points of reference on the, on the, the year, but go ahead and let us know kind of how you got into the trades and then as to where you guys sit today as a business, because you guys have a pretty awesome business there in, in Ohio. Sure. Yeah. I mean, being part of eco has given me a huge growth opportunity. I, I met Aaron back in 2013. And at that time in my life, I was working in financial planning and analysis and a lot, basically pulling a lot of levers on P&Ls, working at modeling, budgeting, and reporting. And so I was very familiar with that. And I was also had just graduated from doing a nighttime MBA program at Ohio State. So I was used to going to school three nights a week from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And um, I met Aaron at a party and just started talking to him. I asked him what he did for a living. He said he was a plumber. And 
And you said, ooh, exciting. Yeah, but then he asked me what I do, and I said, I work in finance. And he said, ooh, exciting. Yeah, we both were like, wow, this is this is about to be a real fun conversation. But it ended up being a really great one. Well, the, the, the surprising thing was, the next thing out of Aaron's mouth was, I want to learn more about what you do. And I was like, why, why does a plumber want to learn more about finance? And he said, because I, I want to grow this company. And I said, where do you, you want to grow it to? And he said, $100 million. And that. Dude, where were you, where were you then? Uh, right at one. One million. <laughs> okay. So I had to follow that up with a I am at one million dollars. He said only oh. ninety nine ninety nine more to go. He said, "Oh, okay. You should have saw his face, but but he was a trooper. He jumped in and kept it going." Go ahead, Mike. He was like, "Okay, you want to grab a beer?" <laughs> well, you, you know, Aaron, he's super passionate about everything he does. So um, that was captivating, and I in when you go to grad school, you do a lot of case studies and took on eco like a case study. Like I didn't ask, you know, you know, for anything in return. I just said, Let, let's take a look at your business and learn about it. Um, not being in that industry was interesting for me because I, I didn't know what the benchmarks were. Like I, we hadn't found Nexstar yet or been able to tell um, what you're looking at and what the proper gross margin or net income in this industry. So what I did is, I posed as a fake buyer of companies. I signed a bunch of NDAs just so I could get financial statements of companies in the home services. And that allowed, at least allowed us to like have a benchmark of maybe this is where we should be shooting for 55% gross margins. We should be shooting for 18% net incomes and you know, try to understand that process better. Um, you know, From there, Aaron and I really started meeting kind of quarterly and just getting to know each other better. And then we started working on the project of, if we're gonna look at growing this to $100 million, what is that company gonna be like? And by that, I mean, how many people are gonna be involved with it? How many locations? How many you know, how many trucks are we're gonna need? And what are some of those metrics? And then we worked actually back from there and said, you know, this is how many years it would take, and this is that process to do it. And I think that that was a good opportunity to get to know each other well. And probably almost a year and a half later, you know, I, I expressed to him I was thinking about maybe switching industries and maybe doing some consulting. And you know, he, he said, "Well, would you would you entertain you know doing this with me and working on this project together?" And it. it kind of felt like I had nothing nothing to lose in it and it was exciting and that's been almost 10 years now and I, I've loved every minute of it every minute of it we got to do so many things you know along the way right when I was first starting back in 2015 so we finished that 2014 at 1.9 million and we we're just getting on to service titan and having seen the old software that he was on, we were like one of Service Titan's first customers. And then all of a sudden I had this like wealth of data uh, to start playing with. And I was like, yes, you know, like this is what we were looking for. So I got, got to integrate with Service Titan and got to work just starting to create scorecards, being able to give technicians visibility to their numbers, try to create some competition among them as well. Um, you know, right when I first joined the company, just coming in from more of that financial background, you look at, well, how many calls like they're missing and are not being able to service in a timely manner. I think that first year we had six trucks and I think I got Aaron to purchase seven more. And, you know, like 
I, I don't think he was like super thrilled about the idea, but I was like, we, we can fill these, you know, like we can service this. I'm thinking of so how you, I'm going to pay him for working here. He's talking about buying more trucks, right? And uh, I knew I wanted to hire Mike. I knew it. I just knew in my heart of hearts, I knew I wanted to hire him because after conversation, did stuff, and I was like, I need somebody like this. Um, you know, people have heard my story before. I went bankrupt with the first business, and I need to reinvent myself in this. And somebody like Mike has been just a key player in the success of our organization. Many other people, Mike, but yeah. I want to say this about hiring him is like, if you didn't have a bold vision, you can't get a guy like this, right? And as a listener doing this, like create a bold vision and then you can get people to come on board. If I didn't stand there that day in that, when we met at that party and said a hundred million out loud in front of him, he would never have came along on this journey. And I wouldn't have been here without him for sure. He's been a key partner and is now partner in the business. But Mike, why don't you at least tell them what, you know, what I had you do in your first, you know, what we what we did in your first days of employment, then let Chris jump in. I, I, want, I want the listener to listen to it. What what we did in the first three days of your employment together, oh, man, so. <laughs> as an eco as an eco employee, what happened? You can go ahead and tell them I made you pay for half of it too, if you want. <laughs> so we we kicked off employment. It was like January 1, 20, 2015. and then like I think it was January third, we left to go to West Palm Beach to a Tony Robbins Business Mastery event. And, okay. Um, me being the kind of CFO type person I am like I don't know if you've been to a Tony Robbins event but you're you're hopping you're making sounds you're jumping around you're massaging the people's shoulders in front of you it it put me out of my comfort zone pretty quickly <laughs> but uh but by day three I think I was a changed man by day three Chris he was jumping around in the air waving chanting excited like he was excited about numbers now like not just internally excited like externally excited but wanted to have that it was a it was a that fun was, experience it was definitely a, a, a memorable way to launch our our team together and actually we just discussed going for a 10-year anniversary coming up here together so anyways that's that cool. was a fun way to integrate the team is a unique way to bring somebody on going to an event together and having a, a life different life experience together just to kick off yeah that's that's good actually i'm glad you brought that up i mean i have been and i actually took uh our now cxo you guys have met mike yeah. um who's like a basically our third in command and i took him and, um, and it was like, great dude, even though I've like, Tony's been around for years, um, and done a lot of the same things that I've seen like over the years too, it's hard to not leave there jacked up. Like it's hard not to now you, uh, Mike and Aaron, you two have, are two different personalities. So I would have loved to have seen Mike at that event hopping around because I can't picture it. I can't picture it, <laughs> but I'm glad to hear it. And really what that probably did though, too, at the same time is, um, because you're Mike, you're being an analytical thinker. Um, it's it, there is, you still have to have a mindset shift too, right? That almost kind of gets you out of that at some point in time to make you think like it's easy for us as visionaries to think really, really big. And now you're thinking about, well, how is that realistic? Am I actually going to be able to get to that vision? I, I actually lack that part. Um, early on, it's more clear to me now as we've grown, I've been in business longer, but what's cool about that for you is it kind of put your mind in a, in, and maybe a little bit different of a place than kind of how you, you know, where you were just at in your little comfortable box, you know, of data and analytics. So I'm assuming that's, you know, you got you excited in a different way. And then you're able to take not only your existing skill set, but then this excitement and then probably, you know, you guys, that was probably a blessing in disguise. Honestly, now that you think about it just cause it set you guys off on a really cool path with a lot of excitement and actual probably legit, like, yeah. okay, I think, I think I got this thing. I think we can figure this thing out. Not only that, you know, if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, you know, they're like 15 hour long days. 
long days. It got me used to spending 15 hours a day with Aaron, which I've pretty much been doing for the past 10 years. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. I love hanging out with Aaron. Aaron and I have become good buddies, man. And, and he's my kind of people too. I mean, we can wear people down. <laughs> well, I want to, um, you, that was in 2014 and I think you guys said you're at 1.9 and then you went to Tony Robbins and like, so you guys have been down this path cause the business isn't at 1.9 today looks a little bit different. You guys have had some significant growth. Um, keep going, man. Like, let's go down that path because initially it was just plumbing, right? So you've, you've, you've added along the way. So, so kind of take me into the next few years just so the listeners can understand the path. So you went to Tony Robbins, yeah. you've been to the 1.9. Let's keep, let's keep going down the path. Yeah, sure. So I mean, some of the, I'll, I'll hit some of the key milestones that I think have helped Perfect. on the way. And you know, 2016, we found Nextstar for the first time. We got a lot of those resources that, you know, questions that we talked about and, you know, now all of a sudden we had coaches and we had a network and we could talk to other people. And I, you know, I can't, I can't undervalue what a network can actually bring to you. And, and you guys both know that, but even now today, that that's what makes me so confident is that when I am not sure about something, I have so many people to basically throw it up against and say, what do you guys think about this? Huge. Um, Huge. You know, other things that happened along the way, 2017, um, I worked on a project for probably six months of bringing excavation in-house. You know, I think I might have been the one that was more pushing that. You know, Aaron's very comfortable. He was very comfortable with time in plumbing, but it's not like he was operating an excavator or anything. But I saw saw the potential in what we were doing there. And now today, you know, that's over a $20 million a year business. And yeah, it's huge. It's our highest gross margin business. You know, we've got great teams that do, I mean, just amazing work there. So very proud of that one. Um, you know, others. That also helps carry you in uh, slower seasons too. Sure. Push on that, push on that dirt work, baby. Yeah, man. A lot of money in the dirt. <laughs> sure is. Yeah, other, other than that, I mean, 20, 2018, um, I worked with this guy at Victoria's Secret in finance that oh, was okay. like the smartest guy I've ever met. He just he was a data genius. And I stayed in contact with him. And eventually we got the opportunity to bring him on the team. And he's our CTO today. Um, his name's Elliot, and he's he's just the best. He's a he's taken the business to another level, and he's allowed me to you know, as a CFO, you have to be able to focus on strategy. You have to be able to jump into operations and it can't just be all data all the time. So having him, you know, he's our CTO, but I always call him our chief information officer because he, you know, he balances that out so well and he takes so much off of my plate that I would otherwise have to be dealing with. Um, that was, that was super helpful. And then, you know, I don't know many people know this, but in we had we used to operate a business out in California that was in um, helped with water conservation in the when the droughts out there and part of the eco philosophy and that ended up the state funding for that ended up drying up and we tried to pivot to a residential service business out there we did it for a, a long time but it ended up just you know taking more effort trying to work two thousand miles away than. It was, it was drawing away what we had the potential to do in Ohio. 
And um, I got the opportunity to, to sell that business. I'd never sold a business before. So that was a, a new skill set for me and worked out pretty well. Um, you know, other things that at this point in time, just give you an idea of like our growth rates. You know, when I, when I started that first year, I think we did 3 million and we jumped it to almost six and then nine, 12, and 21, 30, and you know, 45. And now, now we're pushing towards 70. Um, 73. 73 to be a... <laughs> Don't forget that three, bro. But, uh, you know, one of the things I saw along the way, and I think I, I gave a presentation back in 2020 was we're never going to be able to hire the people that we need that have the skill sets that we need already. Because when I looked at it, I said, we need a hundred technicians and just of the people that were knocking on the door, really only about 20% of them had the required skill set. And the time to get them up to speed was just way too slow. So made a presentation about you know, what are we going to do about it? And I think Aaron kind of took that. He'd already, he'd already expressed interest in wanting to really give back to the trades because the trades have saved his life. And um, out of that, those conversations, we ended up creating the school. And, you know, I'm super proud of that. We're about to graduate class number seven. We've had over a hundred skilled trades people move into the field that have never been in it before. Um, and, you know, anybody that's interested in opening up a school, I'd say there's a big cultural lift in our company as well. You get that yeah. sense of alma mater and you get that sense that you're, uh, we are doing something that nobody else is really doing for the trades in our city. So right. that's been a great lift. I wanna well, and that was, that was a necessary thing you guys had to do too. I mean, how, I mean, how large is Columbus? Yeah, we're about 2 million people. And how many, how many students are part of that population or can factor it into it? Like it, you, at some point in time, you do have to incubate your own, your own staff to scale, like to get the people and, but you also have to have somebody taking lead on it too. I know you guys went over and visited my buddy Chad's place too. I think like it was a few weeks ago or something like that, Peterman. Yeah. And he's done a, you've done a great job of creating the same thing. He'll pull people off the street who have zero, like nothing, no yeah. skill and then create them. We, we worked together with Chad at the time. He had just launched his. We went and visited Chad. So Mike had lined that up. And obviously, Chad was a big part of our success. And we've shared a lot between our school programs. Um, I, I will say he did, Mike proposed that and drove that and brought back. But one thing I want to say that also as Mike did this into the trades, as I say the trades, say my life, Mike actually became a licensed plumber with the state of Ohio, too. So he's actually a plumber and a CFO. He actually took the state test, passed the test, and got his license. So as much as, you know, He's, he's a numbers guy to the trade. He actually respected the trade so much that he actually wanted to become a licensed plumber in the trade too. And I think that also made him feel a lot more, not just from the aspect of being a, a CFO and growing this business and seeing people like made him feel like a community of the trades people of doing this work by getting the license. And for me, I've heard me say the trades have saved my life. And I think Mike took yeah. that and our team did, and they really found a way to help say, let's get a project together. Mike found a building, said, here's the building, and basically, you know, said, here's the building. I found you, I found a place for the school. Here it is. I said, sign the lease. And then he 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 drove the team financially to say, this is what we look at and what we're going to do. And we both said, let's let's do it. Let's spend the money. It, it fulfills a a personal goal and a, you know, a growth goal, right? So it was, it was a real win that Mike thinks about it. That I think that's important to have a CFO that's thinking not just reading numbers all day long and pushing out data is also pushing back to say, 
for growth opportunity, thinking about opportunity and do stuff. So a little bit of a CFO mindset with a COO kind of operational thinking. So I just want to yeah, share. No, that's that actually, <clears throat> that's really good. That's really good to add because then it does also give you a little bit of a different perspective from just a different lens, right? What to I, pull from. You know, when, it, when so, I first started, I almost de facto had to get involved in operations because we were so small that the, really the only people in the office every day were me and your sister, Rosalind. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you were still I, even out in the field a decent amount right when I first started. So teaching everybody how to sell, including yeah. you. <laughs> so, but being operational is super important as a CFO, being able to jump between that. I'm I'm going to jump into some, some questions. Okay. So thanks for sharing the story. The journey is cool, man. I always love hearing people's journey. I've learned so much over the last few years of just people's journeys. I didn't, that I, I don't know, like we know each other, but I don't know your journey. Sure. Um, and I know Aaron's story. Aaron's story is fantastic. So if you guys ever want to hear that, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's an inspiring one. So, um, but this is a cool story, like what you guys have built together. Um, and you know, your role as a, as a CFO, um, like I'm, I'm not that in my business. I'm the CEO of the company. Um, I'm probably more accurately a CMO than I am a CEO, except for, I would probably be a mixture of like a, a CSO slash CMO. Uh, I like the marketing aspect of things. That's where I'm good at when it comes to financials. You guys have met my wife, Anna. Um, she is our COO, but really she's brilliant with finances and she's, so I've never had to rely on it. So we kind of have balanced each other out. I'm probably a lot like, you, you know, Mike, you and Aaron is, you know, I can create vision. I can create sales. I can create marketing. And then we, she handles operations, finances, organization, structure, processes, you know, all the things that come with it. But together we're able to take this thing and scale. Then you got to bring on like key leadership too. But you guys have gotten the same to where you'll hit $73 million in Ohio. Okay. In Ohio. So I say that respectfully, gentlemen. I say that respectfully. I'm laughing. But, con <laughs> but congratulations on building an amazing business. Now you, Mike, have a lot of, I believe you have the most responsibility. Um, and here's why I'm saying that. Because it's selling, selling this business to me is the easiest part. Like it becomes the easiest part because that's where my skill is. But you got to manage the finances and all the variables that come with the finances and all the moving parts and the inflation and the um, costs to bring in good help and putting on the school. There's so many variables that you have to keep an eye on to make sure the business is healthy because it is for profit. Even though we give a lot to nonprofits, these are for profit, right? <laughs> and we need them to be for profit so we can continue to give to the nonprofits. But you have a lot of responsibilities. And you said, like you were talking about earlier, you have to have some focused responsibilities. Like what are the main KPIs that you use to kind of measure like the business? Like you, when you went to the, when you came to Rhino X, uh, the last Rhino, the previous Rhino X before this year, Leland always likes to talk about how he's looking at these certain KPIs, like on a daily basis. Not everybody's doing those things, but do you have some like set metrics that you're looking at just to kind of see the health of the business? Like, what does that look like for you? That kind of, that might give you like an idea of like, okay, cool. I might need to dig a little bit deeper into this one. Smartac.com, smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. Smartac.com does that. 
lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem, live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you ask me really what my my job is, it's, it's to be a storyteller and a scorekeeper within within the company. And there, there's a ton of metrics I track. But when I think about being able to tell a story, it's being able to at any time say, here's what has been happening in the past. Here's what has happened in the past. Here's what the current state of the business is. And here's what I'm forecasting for the future. If, if you know nothing else changes and being able to tell that that story week in week out for me is really important um i've been doing something for i think almost nine years now that i don't know that anybody ever asked me to do it but it, it's time that i like to spend so every sunday i sit down in the morning and i get out our kpi report and i literally go over it for an hour and it's by the time I'm done with that, I feel like I understand what really happened last week, what opportunities there are, what you know questions you need to ask people, where you need to follow up, and, and you're you're really in tune with that versus what your budget is. And shout out to Elliot for building out this amazing automated KPI report that has all our budgets tied in by every location, every department. Um, and so I spend a lot of time on. On that, then I end up writing an email to the team. And what I do in that is I say, you know, here's what happened last week. You know, here's where what we did really well. Here's some areas of opportunity. And then here's some people that really had standout performances last week that should be celebrated. And that's the first part of the email. It's just four short paragraphs that explain that. And then from there, I jump into here's what's going on this week. You know, here's where our call volumes are and how they compare to where they usually are. Here's the opportunity that we have based on what's already pre-sold onto the board for that week. And I actually, every week, I say, here's what I think we're going, where we're going to finish this next week. Are we in a position right now to beat the budget or not beat the budget? And if, if your certain actions need to happen. I'll call I'll call somebody out in the email and say, hey, I think that you should be doing this this week or please follow up and look at this this week because it, you know, it, it can, the, being in that day-to-day management of financials and operations together is really what allows you to win. You can't, you can't. Hey, can I, can I, can I cut you off for just a second? Yeah. Because, because I need, I don't want to forget um, to ask this question. I love that, that you're doing that. It's, um, I commend you for doing that on a Sunday morning. That's not how my Sunday mornings look. Um, but we, to, in order to write that thoughtful of an email, you're, you're writing that based on what you've learned on these key metrics that you're looking at. What are they? You skipped right past it. So I don't even know what they are that you're looking at. And you have to share them all. Like, and sure. it might be some things where you looked at the patterns enough and you, and you, or you recognize the patterns, but what are some of those key metrics? Because I know our listeners are like, well, what the hell are those? Like, what are you looking at? That's allowing you to get to that point to know the successes, the um, challenges, whatever. Yeah. yeah Mike, so, uh, Mike, let me just say this to support that, to support that. Chris is like, let's talk about what are the leading, leading metrics that you're looking at and then kind of the lagging, maybe like the big five that you follow up on each at the measure of the company would be great. The KPIs versus big five, I think would be helpful. What you, what you've taught the team, what you've learned from those metrics. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, from on that weekly basis level, you're really looking at 
revenue production. And that revenue production equation is through how many opportunities are you running? What does your staffing look like? What is that average truck revenue and average number of calls that each person is running each week? Then moving to that is how are you converting on those leads? And what is your average sale in those leads? And we, we look at tons of other metrics too, like recalls and how many club memberships you're selling and what kind of lead turnover percentages there are. But those, those are what you're looking at from the revenue side of it. Then you move more to the, what I'd call like the production side of it is how you're managing your costs, how you're, uh, you know, how efficient you are with your time. And we, we still track sold hour efficiency within our business. And that's, that's really what drives your pricing is how was it sold, sold our efficiency. Is that what you said? Yeah. So for example, like every item in our price book has a task time associated with it. That is what that, what that wrench time would be like, how, how much, how long that's going to take. So at the, at the end of the, week, we as a company have created so many of these sold hours. And then we divide that by the total number of hours that we worked as a company. And yeah. that gives, you know, if, if you're 40% efficient with your time versus being, let's say, 30% efficient with your time, well, your pricing structure that you need to charge your customer changes drastically to remain profitable. So that that's why that efficiency metric is important. Damn, that's where you start to like dig into the detail. That's where you start like getting these little chunks here and there that have a big diff, like that make a big difference. So basically what you're saying too, is from all the different types of jobs or services that you're going on, you've done enough to determine the average time should take and the cost to, to do, to run the job. And that's kind of the metric that you're using, right? So you, that's, see, that's digging in to the details to figure out where the misses are. So, but then that ultimately leads up to your major metrics that you're looking at to find out if you need to start digging deeper in something, right? Right. And I mean, for, for me, the, the metric that I want every manager in our business to understand is gross margin percentage and gross margin dollars, because that's really what they have the most control over. And it's really yeah. what helps our business continue to, to move in the right direction. You know, the rest of the costs can be, um, they're not fixed costs, but they're controllable. And when you look at gross margin and Aaron mentioned the big five, which for us is direct labor, direct material, marketing, vehicle, and then office, you know, office labor and office wages. Those are those big five expenses. If you ever do want to try to impact your profitability, that's that's really the only place you're going to go because most of most businesses that represents between 75 to in some cases 90% of total revenue. Hey, what are those big five again? Say it again. Direct labor? Direct direct labor, direct material, marketing vehicle and fleet expenses, and then office wages. Got it. Those are, those are the big movers, right? And those, those are some of the ones that Mike has spent a lot of time studying and understanding and educating the team from a holistic standpoint. But the two big, big ones that most of the team needs to be focused on for us, Mike, is, is the gross margin, which gross margin is gross margin dollars and percentage, but dollars is the labor and material, right? So that that's where the coaching really happens day to day, to day from management. Got it. Hey, do you guys ever use, I know Aaron, you and I have talked about this in some of our text message groups with some of our, our buddies. And do you guys ever utilize that 
um, revenue per employee yeah. number like yes. you're talking about? Yeah, okay. we, we have it every month. So, I mean, we started using that and it was interesting in our group just to kind of see who was where and kind of how like closer off we all were. But, um, I never even thought about using that till probably two years ago. And you want to know who actually taught me that? And I'm on, like, it was, I had a meeting with, uh, Cardone and this has been a, a little bit ago, but then they were asking me what my revenue, my RPE was my revenue for employee. I'm like, Hmm, no idea. <laughs> no idea. I was like, is that a thing? But you can actually learn a lot from that number. Yeah. Like you can actually look at a lot, learn a lot just from that number alone. And you can actually forecast a little bit better with that number. And so anyway, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Mike has been number. tracking that for years and years and years. And Mike, maybe you could speak to a little bit more of the importance of that and how, how you yeah, for sure. use it from a staffing as we're watching our business grow to measure that. And, or we have revenue by profit by head also. So we measure that to see if that's getting out of uh, improving versus just rep top line revenue by head. But Mike, why don't you give a little better paint that picture? Cause I think it is a very important number that does not get measured very often. Yeah. And, and Mike, for sure use like, so the audience knows the listeners know what, what the, the number is like, what's the target. Right. So, and, and, and there's fluctuation in that based on different, Things like if you're if you end up hiring ahead, there's different things that can fluctuate, but let them know kind of what the target is that you're looking to hit. Okay. Yeah. So for the listeners, best way to calculate this, why don't you start by taking last year and saying, this is what our total revenue was. And that's your that's your numerator. And then your denominator is going to be take the average employee account that you had throughout the year. So don't just say where I ended in December. You know, if you went from 50 employees to 100 employees. And maybe use 75 as that average. And take those numbers, and it's going to give you some number that my guess is between $150,000 and $250,000 overall. Um, in depending for, on the for home service, electrical, HVAC, and plumbing, just so we're clear. Yeah. yeah. Typically, a healthy business is going to be around $200,000 per head. Um, but you, depending on what you do, if you're an HVAC only business, because those are larger tickets, you might be up at 250, 260. Right. If yep. you're plumbing only or electric only, you might be a little bit lower than that. Um, but it's a, it's a good one that you can, especially in an inflationary market where prices are going up pretty quickly, you should see that number also increasing because if you're, you need to be changing your pricing dynamically too. wages are in, in moving up as well. So all that needs to be moving up. At the same time, but I'd say target between 200 and 250, depending on what your service is, and you're you're going to end up being able to be profitable within your business. Yeah, cool. So even like in our and uh, thanks for for sharing that. That's I'm glad that came up because I didn't originally um, think about that until we were talking about this, you know, going through this conversation. Um, it is an interesting metric to use, and it's a simple metric, like it's a simple one to calculate. Um, but you just talked about compensation, so I'm going to shift gears for just a second. Um, how are you guys, I mean, you guys have, are having such big growth and I know that you have your, your training program, like, so you can incubate your own employees, but how are you guys compensating to stay competitive in like in the market? Because I'm hearing crazy stuff. And if you ask Ishmael, it's just going to say pay more. Um, <laughs> it's not just, that's not just the, like, there's a, an element to that. There's some truth to that. Um, but how are you guys staying uh, competitive, man, with this compensation game and the inflation and all the pricing increases and just the expense to do business as, as a whole is, is more. Well, I will say this, you know, something that Ishmael has, right? You do need, if you want to be growing, you do need to be paying a top wage for what you're, what you're doing. 
And you know, we believe that in Ohio, you have the opportunity to make more money with eco than you do with anybody else. Perfect. You know, last he, year he says that he says that confidently. Did you see him? Did you see like the confidence that came out of him when he said that? Yeah. Well, we worked really hard. This, this was. A, I'm glad you brought this question up, Chris, because this was a hot topic for us over the last 24 previous tw- trailing 24 months and the previous 12. And we worked really hard as an organization to decide that we weren't just going to be the best culture. We we're going to be the best place to get paid to work too. And because a lot of people always try to go back and forth with one or the other, right? It's like, well, I put the challenge out. I said, let's be both. And, yeah. you know, and I think Ishmael's point is correct. Pay, you got to pay well, you need to pay well, but they need to perform. And and Mike, yeah. Mike and the team were up for the challenge and we got to work. And, and I think Mike can articulate the details of the pay plan and why and what we're doing and, and why, and why we believe that paying uh, top dollar and delivering on the calls for the technician are both hand in hand. You can't just be like the highest commission plan and not deliver the opportunities for them too. Right. So Mike, uh, turn this over to you to get more detail into that. Yeah. And listen, like theoretically, this should minimize turnover, right? If you, if you're treating them right, you're paying them well, you're getting them the right skill, all these things, and, and you're holding them accountable, right? Cause there's a layer of holding them accountable. like you said, for performance perspective. So like, let, yeah, let's jump into that, man. Because to me, it, it is a heck of a lot easier to grow a business if you're not losing people. Yeah. A heck of a lot easier if you can just keep them and you pay them well, like the tenured employees and they, and they want, and they want to continue to work and for you and they are getting better personally and professionally is important as well. So yeah, man, Mike, take us into it. Yeah. I mean, been a huge focus for us over the past 12 months. So we, we revamped most of our pay plans and what, what we saw is that not everyone understood our pay plans. They were complicated for people and there was way too many of them. So what we ended up doing there is, having conversations about how do we make pay plans that are so simple anybody can you can explain them in you know five ten minutes and somebody's gonna understand them then we document those so you document them both with a you know a slide presentation as well as a contract so everyone that is on a pay program has signed a contract that says this is how i get paid and i I can refer to that any given time because it's in digital storage and they can see it right there Um, after that really wanted to, in order to create simplicity, you know, with any good pay program, um, you have, you have to have accountability. So people have to be doing things the right way, but to create simplicity, one thing that we went instead of, you know, commission model on gross margin, where it gets pretty complicated for people to understand was we went with a, a percentage of revenue. And then we spent a lot of time working with service Titan to develop out something called configurable payroll. And I don't know, you know, I don't, most of the businesses I know are not running on configurable payroll. We've got over half our, over half our technicians running on it right now. What is it? And so what it is that you create a system that you document your pay program within the system, you build all the rules and everything, and it's running every day. So that as soon as a job does get finished out, a technician knows how much they get paid for it. And then at the end of the week, a technician can see the whole pay period and they can see this is how much money I earned this week. So it's instant and it's clear. And you know, if they if if something looks off, they have the ability to, to shoot it off very quickly and say, hey, I don't think this is being calculated right. And they can bring it to their manager. And it, you know, it, it creates payroll clarity that I didn't, I don't think existed beforehand. It also, you know, it allows us to ensure that things are done properly. Like if, you know, if they're not tracking their materials and they're not 
collecting on the on the um, jobs, then you know they're not going to get paid out. So this also creates a super clear, trustworthy relationship with them, right? Because it's basically almost up to date and in the and their facts, right? So the facts keep it black and black and white. So they can trust that you're not messing with their money because nobody wants their money to be messed with. And you can measure that they're actually collecting and they're doing the things they need to do on their end as well. So. Sure. And while I wish, you know, I wish technicians didn't tell each other how much they make, uh, <laughs> you know, they, there's a lot of bragging that goes on and, you know, we had a student graduate and came out of the really hot out of the gates. And I think in his second week, he made like $5,000, you know, and he could show it every one of the other students like, Hey, look. he's telling everybody. <laughs> which is which is good if they're delivering right and and right. But the plan was simple enough. They understood how to get to work right away, eliminate complication. Because sometimes we try to get in our own way. We try to make it too smart for ourselves, too smart for that. We think we think if we have them do this and do that, they're gonna the actions are gonna be different. But we really have realized as we've grown and done is like just simplification is the key to to comp and getting people driving and giving them a target to target to go for. And some accountability. If they move prices down, their commissions change. If they change, if they don't build materials, they 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 get hit for it, right? But it's all black and white and clear. And we don't play that. We don't have to play that argument game uh, and very much anymore. And the team supports and believes in it. And we went out and delivered a, on a promise. We said that we were going to make sure that they were able to get paid the simplest way and the highest pay they could. And Mike and his team um, got together with some other support. We did redid our price book. And they delivered on that. And I think if you heard some things about configurable payroll, we reached out to resources, started using some of our resources, Tom Howard, right? Everybody knows Tom Howard at yep. this point, um, Service Titan. And we, we we really got progressive with that and some some features that Service Titan has that a lot of people are not, are not utilizing or maybe not informed about um, and work through some of those challenges. And so to Mike and his team, um, and our operations team and many other people involved with like they made that happen. And it's a it's it's been a great success to keep people engaged in the business from a payroll and earn money. So we don't have to talk about that anymore. Right. They know what it is. They're going. Got it. We call that the uh, this the in and out method because you guys ever been to in and out burger? Oh, yeah. There's like six things on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> it's not overcomplicated. I love going to in and out burger. Mainly because it's really easy for me to order any of my, get, look, I got four kids. I hate going to any other restaurant where there's lots of options because I can't remember all the shit and the edits and the changes they're making. Like add ketchup, <laughs> remove ketchup, you know, take off onion. They simplified the menu and I'm a fan. And guess what? You never been to an In-N-Out burger where people are not friendly. Like those guys got it put together. So they simplified the menu. They simplified the processes in there on how to have good customer service. It was like a well-oiled machine. Um, so congrats for simplifying that. So thanks for explaining that, Mike, going a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to shift gears for a second too, because we're about 45 minutes in already. Um, just a little bit though. And I want, because I want to the listeners to also understand um, and at the end, by the way, listeners, we'll make sure that we try and share some contact info. So that way, if, if you didn't capture all that, or you need to dig deeper. I mean, these guys have good hearts, man. They'll help you out. So we'll get to that towards the end. But, um, when, you know, like the, the, I've been kind of prepping, uh, a lot of our team and, and a lot of the, um, circle I run in like of influencers and that are contractors and just like this year is a grinded out year. Like there was, um, you know, I would say more specifically the last, you know, few years of the COVID stuff really 
uh, was our time to shine, you know, as an industry, um, because we, everybody blew up and there's more brand new equipment in homes today than there's ever been before across so many different companies all over the United States of America. Right. I know that a lot of people were spending money that they would normally spend on vacation for remodels or for bath, you know, like bathroom remodels or, or whatever. We spent a lot of money on our homes. So, which helps our industry very much. So, so it was a big blessing for us. You go into this year, like in some of these text message groups, I'm in, and this came up at Rhino X this year where somebody submitted, Hey, like the beginning of this year has been a really, really, really low, slow start. And I believe it was the perfect storm. It was because again, I've been in this space 15 years and I'm paying attention to trends every year. So I know what to expect. So there's more equipment in homes. There's less demand work. Um, so for those who are in, like you guys are in a four climate market or a four season market, right? So, um, like Phoenix, we're basically two, right? It's summer and sucky, right? For HVAC companies and the good ones figure it out. But the point I'm getting at with this is that the demand is less. The demand is less, uh, going into the Q1 of this year than it has been in years past. Okay. I mean, I'm taking even, even take the outliers of the last, you know, of the COVID years out, even before that it's less. I see those numbers because that's the world I live in. So what also happens is, so you have the after Christmas, like people don't want to spend, they'll push it off. Um, now you've got more contractors with more budgets, you know, because they get their co-op funds from some of their market, from their manufacturers. You have the people who've never marketed before that are now going to throw their money and in, in Q1 and it's going to burn out and then they'll go away. That happens every year, but it's like the perfect storm of less demand calls, a lot of money coming in the after holiday lull, like so many things happened in this Q1 that impacted so many companies that this is when I believe two things are critical. If your brand wasn't on point, you probably felt that a little bit, right? Because when there's a lack of people, they're still going to like that brand equity, that brand trust absolutely matters and you can't keep ignoring it. So get it, get that fixed. But two is your finances, man. You got to be able to figure out what levers to pull to main, maintain profitability because you are for profit business, but just how to keep, keep things going, not losing people because they're sitting and you can't pay them. Like what are some of these levers, Mike, that you, that you use or that you look at when things start to get tight, right? Everybody listening right now has had those moments where things got tight and you're trying to carry through those. And I bet you a lot of the listeners right now just experienced that or are currently experiencing that right now. So when these things happen, man, like what are some of the levers that you look at to try and help get, get, uh, get your guys, get you guys through it? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, while I agree with you, I think that it is a, a slower time right now. I, I don't think that means that we should not be focused on growth opportunities because there, there is tons of growth opportunities out there. And um, by the way, for the record, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. All I'm doing is sharing the conversation and in the situation, I may double down because you know people are going to pull back. I'm a double down kind of guy. So I can, I'm 100% agreeing with you. So let me hear, it, man. That's first off, what I just heard you say is you have an abundance mindset. <laughs> I mean, just looking at what we've been doing this year, we, we've launched a rebrand. We added electric. We've, you know, we've really started to accelerate HVAC. We're opening up in Cincinnati. We're completing an acquisition, hopefully moving to Cleveland. It's, you know, it's a, it's a lot of growth going on. 
And looking back at the past five years, you know, I think that we've we've set ourselves up well. We've saved appropriately. We've had a 50% CAGR or compounded annual growth rate for the non-financial people. And you know, every every year there, we've had profits in the double digits. So it's it's been a it's been a we've been preparing, you know, to to grow and expand. And you can't do that unless you prepare it along the way. But when you look at when things are slow, you do have to go back to expense controls and yeah, you have to go back to are you priced correctly? And we change our pricing pretty, you know, pretty often. Um, I could actually probably do a better job of telling people when we change our prices than I do because I do it pretty regularly. And you're looking at what your job costing individual things, your job costing tasks, your job costing uh, projects, and you're saying how how is this shaking out on a regular basis? Because if you're if you are managing that gross margin and you don't have to get too discount forward in order to make the work happen, then you're you're gonna stay in check there. And sometimes you do have to get to discount forward and, and you have to draw back other expenses. So you know, just like um, you mentioned with Leland uh, and going to his suppliers, I mean, we, we, we negotiate pretty much every aspect of our business and we do it almost on an annual basis. I, I, I love negotiating, but in order to negotiate well, you have to tell people what you're going to do for them as well. So whenever we start a negotiation, you know, whether it's putting out an RFP for water heaters or with HVAC equipment, you have to paint the vision and the CFO should be able to do this. You know, typically controllers or bookkeepers aren't the best in storytelling. CFO needs to be a storyteller, like I said, and you have to be able to paint that vision of here's what I'm promising you today. Here's what my growth in the past and here's where we want to go in the future and what partnering with us could look like. And you get people on board that way and you get people to bend a little bit more that way because you're able to paint that picture for them. Anytime you do negotiate anything, you should try to make it as formal as possible. You should always try to be leveraging multiple people in it. It should be an RFP process or request for proposal process that there's multiple bidders on. Yep. Um, outside of that, you're looking for new opportunities. You know, there's... You know, just go like, for example, our Dayton operation that we opened, we, we saw an opportunity there. We opened up last year that that operation had 400 percent growth. You know, that really helps when you're growing something. It helps a growth rate when a, a single branch can grow 400 percent because we analyzed that market. And we said this is underserved. The marketing, we can get the marketing leads more effectively here and we can open up this branch. So you're doing those kind of analysis. Just today, I, before earlier this morning, I sat down with our uh, sewer trade director and we basically tried to build a case of whether we should or should not bring directional boring in-house, which is not something that a ton of people do in the residential service, but we dig so much that it might make sense. And so we kind of build a financial case study around and had that conversation. We haven't come to the decision yet, but we're starting to explore that. So you're looking for new opportunities to say, you know, what can continue to grow in these sectors that might actually save me money in the long run and make us more competitive. The, the interesting, well, first off, you, in Dayton, was that greenfielded or was that, did you, did you say you did an, an, a roll up there or, a green, or was that just green. organic? Yeah. It was a green. Okay, cool. Yep. All right, cool. And and is, that, and is that has that been the majority of the business? Has been that? Yeah. So we're actually we're just completing our first acquisition currently. Oh, cool. So all this has been greenfielded. All of it has been greenfield organic growth. 
Nothing, Love I've it, not man. acquired or tucked in a single business underneath this. This has all been just straight, you know, hitting the marketing, producing the leads, you know, delivering on the service, working on conversion, working on average sale, right? Knowing those by department, by area, keep improving that. So, but now we are moving into that area as we scale into this next level, as we believe yeah. we've earned the right kind of, a lot of people get way ahead of themselves. They start trying to do all these yeah. other things and just not really equipped. So for us as, you know, we're not and playing in that game but i do want to mention this for like the growth chris so you try to talking about like that marketing i would say yeah there has been some challenges we have we're in the same group text messages with some guys in the industry and stuff going around um and there has been some challenges i think again you got to have a positive outlook mind and look what you can do and find opportunity to grow i mean if we think about january from year over year we grew 44 percent still in january right in february we grew 37 percent from last year so like it's it's available uh, you know it's it's not by accident we obviously have strategy and does stuff but there's right. still market potential out there and there's things to do that um i just think people just need to find and make sure that they're hearing stories that there are still success in market and there's still opportunity to do that and not get too caught in the noise of it i, I think you never want to underreact but you don't also not want to overreact so you, you got to get in the middle a little bit there and have a, and have a solid plan yeah, man, for sure. There's pl still plenty of opportunity. It, it's, you, you know how it is. Like the majority of people still fall to the, the, you know, the pendulum swings more far to like the scarcity piece of it. And which, which honestly we kind of have to have in order for the abundance mindset guys, the five percenters that, that actually become the most successful. You can't have everybody no. do it. And unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, as much as Tommy Mello would love everybody to just everybody wins <laughs> everybody can't everybody can't like i mean you can win in whatever like maybe if you're happy or whatever but in order to continue to grow this business you have to have that mindset of it is there what do you, you mean? just Tommy's gotta go get book it right here we'll self-promote it we'll promote it for a minute right here build a business <laughs> elevate. where everybody wins elevate right build a business where everybody wins thomas mellow <laughs> um uh -huh. So one, I, I want, I want to, uh, he's actually recording with me next. So we'll cover all that for him yeah, then, but absolutely. nice plug, Aaron. He's going to appreciate that. <laughs> um, so real quick too, before we go, cause I know we're getting super, super close to the, um, the time is, uh, I agree with you that, um, it is nice to go, you know, just take right from your manufacturer suppliers. You need to give the relationship absolutely matters. You don't have to be an asshole to get your way with your, um, with the manufacturers, um, but come in with a legit plan. And, and what you're saying, storytelling is you're not, you're not telling a fiction story, man. Like you, you are coming in with numbers to support the story, which in, encourages them to also help on the front end to gain on the back end. Um, but that helps you now, right? If you can adjust that now. And if you guys met Jason Bueller, um, down in Jacksonville and he went to Rhino X last year, he was here again this year and he won our, um, he won our charge award, which is basically, um, who takes what away from Rhino X implements it and had major impact on their business. And that was him this year because he went back and did the same thing, Mike, that you're just talking about saying, Hey, I like to negotiate my pricing. And the reason I want to negotiate my pricing is because I'm going to grow my business this much this year. So I'm growing it this much. What can you help me with on pricing knowing I'm going to hit that number? And can, and so he went back and negotiated with a thoughtful story based on numbers to support it. And it helped him really scale his business. He blew that thing up. He blew that thing up this past year. So it, it is possible um, for, 
for anyone who is doing any sort of volume, there's different levers you can pull. And maybe you don't have enough leverage with your manufacturer, but you can go to your credit card companies. You can go to your banks. Like the, there's a lot of different ways you can pull levers to find a card, find a credit card that gives you really good, you know, gives you cash back or rebates or like, I might use my American express for just about everything, but I also have, you know, a, a chase card that I use that gives me great cash back and like, but yeah, I mean, with that, I mean, I tell people that there's credit cards that pay over 2% in rebates. And yeah. if you have with interest rates the way they are right now, that means that you can also gain a lot. Just the money that's sitting in your checking account can literally be earning you over 4.5%. And a lot of those interests are paid daily. You know, through yep. check out some of the Goldman Sachs funds out there and some other different funds out there that this is all available to you right now. So it, it, it helps the business out every day. Yeah. And those are the little things that make a big deal. Like I know that there's plenty of times when, um, so my wife's dad was the, uh, he passed away, uh, I think five years ago or so, um, was the vice president of investments for Morgan Stanley, like old school, New York stock exchange stockbroker, dude. It looks like you guys remember Steven Seagal. Yeah. Dude, he looked, he's like six, three, six, four. He looked just like Steven Seagal's slick back hair intimidated the shit out of me. Like I'm certain when we first met, he did not approve of her picking me and not, neither would have I, <laughs> but it worked out. But she, you know, and this is where like, she kind of gets the the financial like strength of her is she is really, really good with finances. And she moves money between different banks at different times with, so that way our money is earning money constantly. So, I mean, obviously we're playing in the market too, but that's even that's sketchy, but at least with some of these things, like you, to your point, if you've got it, let your money make the money too. And all those little things add up, find the right cards. Like I, I use my American express for a lot of things because, um, I travel so frequently and I never pay for travel because ultimately it, it, I use it off my, my travel plan works best off our, our American express platinum card until I can get to uh, Aaron Gaynor and get the uh, American express black card. But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like little things like that, you know, is what I want the listeners to hear is you do have those as options, regardless of the size of your business, regardless of it. So you can use that as an excuse. So, and if you need some more like detailed information too, again, I'm sure Mike wouldn't mind if you connect with them. And, and what I want to try and, and do guys is because we're coming up on, on an hour now is um, I appreciate, you know, Mike, you coming on and I get to be your first official podcast, man. So Thank you. So thank you, man, for, for giving me your time, even though you tried to bail out today and I wouldn't let you, I'm just, I wanted to call that out so bad. Um, but dude, you're, you're great, man. And I loved being able to tell, tell this. And obviously, um, you know, a few things, if you can take and scale the business the way you guys have done it. And it wasn't like you got lucky a few years, it's been consistent and you're doing a great job. And now you've got even bigger plans to keep going. And, and like you said, to your point, Aaron, you've kind of earned your way to, um, doing acquisitions, like bringing people into the family with trust, right? Cause you've done the things you've proven it. So, so I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing the story. And, and I'd like all of our listeners, um, you know, I say with all of our guests for our listeners is if they want to connect with you, Mike, are you cool with that, man? You want to like, maybe just share the best way to do, to do that. You want to give them your cell phone number so that way they can call you or text you uh, all hours. of the night. <laughs> hey, I'm kidding, dude. Don't feel obligated to share your number. Okay. I'm just saying emails fine. Social media is fine. Cause I, uh, a link, whatever you tell me. Why, why don't we start with email? We'll go. Mike. <laughs> okay. Cell phone. Go. It's just Mike. M I K E at ecoplumbers.com. Got it. Cool. Hey guys, what's next, man? Like what's next for you guys? Are you just like 
you're seven, you're gonna hit seventy three million. You, you got this hundred million dollar goal. Does what happens when you hit there? Because an entrepreneur doesn't stop. It's hard. You hit that number, then you keep going. Aaron, where's your head at, bro? Where is your head at, man? Uh, I mean, you know, the hundred million has been the 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 beach, you know, head. Like that's what we wanted to do and say that for a long time. And uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hit that, uh, I believe, next year uh, for eco, yeah, right? Cool. And uh, it's an exciting time. It's something to really celebrate and do. Like Mike and I do have bigger plans moving forward as an organization, as as a group, as you know, where we want to go. Uh, the B number has now played into our plans, right? Like the, the that's cool. The, $1 billion is kind of that next benchmark for us to think about that as we you know, move the evolution of what eco plumbers, electricians, HVAC technicians look like across Ohio and or what does acquisition and platform model look like. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. we're hoping to you know, take the years of experience that we've had in the trades, uh, being directly from the trades myself and the trade saving my life and hoping, hoping to, uh, you know, introduce that in relationships with others and hopefully, you know, get to uh, be part of partnering with other companies and growing that and yeah. building something else out there. Amazing. I know there's a lot of opportunity out there in that marketplace. Um, and I think it's just moving from one level of saying, just helping technicians come into the trade to also helping other entrepreneurs and other people from our lessons learned and learn from them. And I think that's, what's really excites us for the next level and opportunity as we look into the future, uh, not, you know, of eco in general. And creating new partnerships, so that that's what's really exciting to even think that we're even talking those numbers from where we were years ago and what we've all learned in this industry. And sometimes I know Chris, we've all sat around and be like, "Wow, it's it's just crazy, isn't it?" Right? Where we where we all come from and numbers we talk about. Um, but there's still opportunity for guys that are that are that are yeah. starting down here because we all started there, right? Like, you know, I I inspired to be Horizon and Jim Dieter was really an inspiration for me as an individual. Has been a great mentor, and I hope that you know to move into what his chapter as he thinks about where his i'm not saying he's going anywhere i'm yeah. saying that at all <laughs> you know think about like uh you know what does that look like for myself and mike and i and, and that really excites us because we've met a lot of people have hundreds of people have visited our shops over the years so hopefully i answered your question a little long there but that, that's where that's oh, what we inspire to be i love this industry man like there's so much success stories in this industry and it gets so overlooked there's so many, yes. and and it's just cool to hear everybody's cool stories. I mean, Mike, what a different conversation from one million to one billion. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different one. <laughs> it's a good career. Yeah. Um, but hey, Mike, 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 can you do us one I, favor that you didn't that we didn't do on the big five? Can you at least shoot out the percentages for everybody that average on the big fives? Because we covered what they were, but I think it would be nice for people that don't know what direct what the labor percentage should be, what the material. Like, let's leave them some percentages that they can really take back tangibly if they're not doing this and measure that against their own P&L right now and say, I think I'm in a good spot. Cause you said it covers 70, 90%, depending on some of the, can you give them a couple quick benchmarks that I can go home with now today as a, as a CFO or a controller, or even a business owner and say, let me go back and look at my previous month's P&L. Let me see if I'm even in these ballparks. So that, that we consider, you know, successful measures. Chris, I hope you don't mind. I just, I just want, no man, that's that that tangible number that they can go back, not just look at them, like give them a, give them a couple of benchmarks, man. Yeah. They, really will, they, they do vary a little bit by trade. Uh, you know, if you look at us for sewer, we, we're over 60% margins every month and, you know, HVAC, we're not, we're not there, but the, uh, you know, some common benchmarks would here would be with your direct labor is around 24%, your direct material under 20%. And so what that allows you to do is have a gross margin that's around 55 to 56% as a company. Then you look at marketing and 
you have to, you know, depending on how many memberships you have and what your growth rate or growth plans want to be, uh, this can vary, but it can range anywhere from three on the low end to 10% on the high end for marketing. And that can change differently if you're going to go greenfield a branch, for example, like in Dayton, we might spend 20% just to get up and get going in there. Uh, temporarily, temporarily. Yeah. yeah. But three to ten percent, depending on what how you want to grow and how established of a business you are, and then with fleet, generally under five percent of your revenue, and with um, office wages, you, you see a lot of disparity here. And sometimes owner comp can play in there, depending on how much an owner's paying themselves. Um, but a good benchmark. No comment. No comment, Mike. <laughs> a good benchmark would be around thirteen percent. Got it. That's great. That's huge. Um, that's good. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, and again, there's variables in there, right? So it's just to give you some ballparks to, to think through. Um, so I've seen these numbers kind of look differently across different organizations and different locations, right? So, um, so just, just averages, but thank you for sharing that guys. I appreciate you, man. I want to say, um, one quick thing to you and that is a simple congrats, fellas. You've built, you've built something amazing. Like, you have put yourself in the 1%, you know, and, and that's awesome. And just, and it, and you didn't get lucky. You worked through it. You, but where, where, where you actually got lucky was that Aaron actually met Mike. <laughs> that's where you got lucky. <laughs> but Hey, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Okay. My point earlier. So you had something to say. There you go, baby. On. Well, listen guys, um, appreciate you, man. Congratulations. I'm excited. I'm grateful to be friends with you, Aaron. Obviously you and I have become pretty close to it. I'm excited for your journey. Um, and, and listen, this is a cool story, man. And this is, and this can be your story listeners. Like it can be, um, you sometimes have to hire for your weaknesses and you got to be willing to pay the right, you know, pay them well, compensate them well. You can't just, I mean, take care of them, but you got to compensate them. Well, I mean, it's a competitive market right now. Um, but hire for your weaknesses, get the right people in. Um, I think too many people don't put a focus on a solid control or a solid finance person in your business soon enough. Um, and so a lot of times you, we think we can just sell our way out of this and that's not the answer. Like it's an answer. It's not the answer. You have to have somebody controlling your finances too, to make sure that you're running the business smooth. And that's a skill. And that's a skill that Mike has, has mastered. So congratulations, fellas. And I appreciate you guys giving me your time. Absolutely, man. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, of course. So, listeners, you Mike gave you his email. Blow it up. Don't then don't just sit around and complain. You get shit done. Uh, send Mike an email, um, and he'll and he'll help you. Obviously, if uh, you guys listen to this episode and Mike gets a, a bunch of emails, he might give him a little grace. <laughs> uh, he does have a business to, <laughs> a business to run to, but uh, and if he doesn't follow up, you message me, and then I'll call him and bust his chops. So. But appreciate you guys. Listeners, hopefully this is a great episode. I loved it, man. Like, this is really good stuff. You gave some good information with the big five. We had the RPE, the revenue per employee conversation, the gross margin, the percentages. There's a lot of good shit in this one little episode that we did. So can I, thank you for giving us that. Can I say one more thing about this? A couple a couple of things I just want people to know real quick. Like, if, you, if you're looking for a CFO, the two things I would value the most is, one, are they curious? Are they always asking questions, trying to learn and understand the business better? And two... Are they strategic? Can they build a case? Can they allow you as a CEO to focus more on operations and focus more on marketing and allow you to go execute some, some of the strategy and the bigger decisions? And then last, last thing I'll say that I think is really important 
if, if you're not closing your books by day five, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Preach. Amen. That's the same thing in here, baby. Same <laughs> thing in here. Close those books, baby. Close those books. Absolutely. Mike's a rock star in this industry, man. I might be biased, but I love him, man. Been a great partner. Hey, Thanks, Mike, Chris. nothing has a higher ROI than curiosity, buddy. That's right. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I appreciate you. Listeners, thank you again so much. I typically would close with a review, but I forgot to pull one today. So I don't have a review to give, but both you two need to go to your podcasts on your phone and leave a review for me. If you don't, I'm not going to play this episode. So screw you guys. No, I'm wow. kidding. Um, but I don't have a review. I'm kidding. I don't have a review to to share today. So that was uh, my miss. But you know what? I fuck up too. But I appreciate you guys. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, make sure you're subscribing to this podcast. And this is one you're going to want to share with your buddies because I guarantee you, you know somebody needs to hear this podcast because they are having some financial difficulties. And it's always like people get embarrassed to talk through this stuff. But it's so common, man, to have these type of issues. It's a very defined skill set. And uh, everybody goes through it. So I uh, appreciate you guys. Appreciate your listeners. Until next time, you don't have to do everything, but you got to do something. No, zero, day. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.